What is up, everybody? We are back here. I am your host, RJ, and you are listening again to the DRS Zone podcast, Daily Racing Stories. It's been about a week since our premiere episode with my co-host, Denzel, from across the pond. Uh, It's been really awesome engaging with everyone. Um, I'm actually able to check the metrics with the podcast, which has been really interesting. Um, I know we had quite a few people from the United States viewing around from California, Tennessee, New York, my home state of Michigan, obviously, as well. Um, We had a lot of viewers from England. I know we had even Ireland. We had Bangladesh. We had France. We had the Netherlands, uh, India, so many countries around the world. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. It really is the beauty of the platform of podcasts and just connecting with people and and doing it with something obviously as cool as Formula One is just so unique and so special. And one person in particular, uh, Rory, actually from from Ireland, uh, I've been engaging with a lot and really wanted to hear his take of how preseason testing went um, on top of uh, the previous episode I had with Denzel. So without further ado, Rory, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, good how are you thanks for having me yeah yeah no problem at all. thanks for joining us uh not doing too bad i uh i know we we're supposed to chat a little bit earlier here about um you know some f1 stuff but uh had an emergency patient in today who broke a front too so that was not a fun way to start the morning but um we're here so let's do it so give us a little bit of background about um where you're from and just uh your journey into f1 yeah, so first of all, I'm from Ireland, um, mm-hmm. and I started watching F1, especially at the start of 2016 F1 season. So that's the Lewis Hamilton versus Nico Rosberg title battle. Um, so that, I so it's now 2022. So it's a long time, not a long time watching F1, but like you kind of being like you know, like a, a lot of you know a lot about F1 if you get me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started watching IndyCar back in 2020, so I'm a newbie, I'm a noob, uh, to, if you would like to call that IndyCar, <laughs> but uh, don't watch any other, uh, watch a bit of Formula E um, if, if, if F1's not on or IndyCar's not on. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't watch any motorbike series. I watched the uh, 24 of Le Mans one year. I can't remember when, but I found it very boring. Sorry, any uh, WEC fans. Yeah, feel free to roast. Feel free to roast uh, Rory in the comments there if, if, you, if he upset you. But uh, no, it's great. Yeah, Ireland. I know we had we had chatted before, and we actually met in you know a, a Twitter space as well. Um, and you know your accent doesn't give away that you're uh, from Ireland at all, obviously. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we all have different accents, right? But uh, I joke. Yeah. But um, we had chatted a little bit more recently about a documentary um, that you had actually watched regarding you know Senna and his history. Um, in particular, uh, being there in Ireland, um, could you give us kind of a, a, a debrief about about that and just take us through, you know, what you learned about um, Senna and particularly his his presence in Ireland? Yeah, sure. Um, so I a few years ago, I was watching on my local tel- uh, TV uh, uh, channels. A, a, a documentary came up. It was called Golden Mondello um, from Grass to Glory. So it was about it was about the celebration of Mondello Park, which is Ireland's only racetrack. And it was set up in 1968 and in a field um, in a in a, in County Kildare in Ireland. 
um, it was after it came after we had like in Ireland before we had like like kind of festivals, racing festivals, mm-hmm. and there was one called Dumboyne Racetrack, which is a town in Ireland. Uh, we had the, uh, in there's a Phoenix, uh, the main park in Dublin. In Dublin, the city is um, Phoenix Park, so there's a ra- there used to be a racing festival there. But after some uh, sadly some numerous fatalities at those races, they needed a safer more open track because these were street circuits and the, back in those days the health and safety wasn't that great but so they decided so Mondello Park was eventually for it was eventually created and brought up from the ground and it hosted many um, racing categories such as motorbikes, uh, Formula Ford, Formula Opel, um, some Formula 3 races, Formula 2 races, some stock car racing sport car racing and it it, it came it attracted a lot of drivers and as I, as you mentioned Aaron uh, uh Senna came to uh, Aaron Senna <laughs> Senna came to the sport uh, came to Ireland and he raced in the he, sorry he raced in the Benson and Hedges Euro Series final which uh, was back then it was about four about four and three cars and okay. he under at that time he wasn't racing under the Senna name he was running under his father's name the Silva, and of course he took pole and he he won the race in the end and even a lot of the documentaries of the former Irish racing drivers on like Tommy Byrne, Derek Daly, John Watson who's actually he was born in Ireland but he raced under the British flag, um he they all mentioned that they knew it was a star in the making and even said when the Irish the Irish fans at Mondello Park in that day in 1982 knew that it was going to be um it was he was going to be a star in the making. Also I also during the research actually found out not only Senna a former world champion came there's multiple world champions who actually um raced in Mondello Park. So you had Mika Hacken in a two-time world champion, you had Emerson Fittipaldi and I found out so he was racing the four and four category. And about eight months later, he went on to win the US Grand Prix for his first race one, I think, at the time. And as well, there was Rooms, not even a, a world champion, uh, Rooms Barrichello, who raced Ferrari as a teammate to Michael Schumacher, he raced in the former Opel Lotus series. So, okay. yeah, like he, all those champions had a part in Irish motorsport. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I think you'd, um, looking at it too, I think you even, you know, even other greats too, like James Hunt, I know is there. Um, but yeah. I, I was definitely interested in it's something I'm hoping to check out, um, here sooner or later. Is it, is there anywhere where people can actually watch it that we know right now? Obviously I know it's a little bit different in Ireland or is this something you found yeah. on it, particularly um, YouTube or more yeah, of a Netflix YouTube, thing? Actually. Okay. If you look up, uh, from grass to glory, it comes, it comes up the full documentaries there. It's on the Mondello uh, Park YouTube page. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely have to include a link here. So that's, that's awesome. I'm sure that's pretty special. And if you, is this somewhere too? I know obviously in Ireland, I'm not, you know, so, uh, don't know my geography. Have you, have you been physically been to this place before? Um, I actually, Mandela Park? I actually, for Christmas there got, a um, a kind of like, um, a, a ticket to go to one of their events. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I'd be planning to go this year sometime. But, um, it's actually, so it's actually quite close to Dublin. It's about 30 kilometers from Dublin. So that'd be about a half an hour drive or so by more way or so. But, um, yeah, it's pretty close to Dublin. 
Oh, very nice. That's yeah, that's that's awesome. If I'm ever over, over in Ireland, obviously I'm gonna come say hi to you first, but uh, <laughs> that'd be a cool place to come check out. So yeah, very cool. And uh, I know we had originally connected, you know, with some of the Twitter spaces, and we did mm-hmm. have the chance to connect this weekend as well. Um, and I just kind of want to want to dive into it right away, if that's okay with you. Um, that's fine. Yeah. So so. You know, we can obviously talk about um, testing here. You know, we got day one, day two, day three. We, you know, this is as informal as uh, an interview and a podcast will ever be. So um, just take me through, you know, we had three full days of testing um, and mm-hmm. let's actually back up here too. So, you know, want, we're going to obviously have a little bit of bias, you know, full disclosure here too. Give us who normally, what team in Formula One or drivers you find yourself rooting for and why? I can just hear the comments going crazy when I'm going to mention this. I am a Red Bull fan. 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 I am sorry, Mercedes fans. You thought you're going to get some, no biases. Well, I'm, not, I'm going to be I'm the, I'm the most neutral Red Bull fan you'll ever find on Twitter. So that's it. But I, I do support Daniel Ricardo. So you can mm-hmm. you can that can win you over from my side. So hey, that's fair. And I know you were a little you were a little upset in some of the spaces um, as well. That obviously Daniel Daniel got sick. Well wishes to him. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I can I can attest. I haven't really ran into an insane amount of of red bull fans in particular maybe it's just me being a ghost on twitter it's, but um i will say yes you are definitely level-headed so um any mercedes fans out there i can attest to rory and if not let us know in the comments if uh anything he says uh grind, grinds your gears here but um in terms of testing though let's you know obviously you know you're you're focused in a little bit more on red bull um and mm-hmm. we got a lot of different teams take me from the top right now you know we have Verstappen obviously coming back, Red Bull's testing. Um, give us a breakdown of your thoughts in particular just on Red Bull since we're on the topic right now. So um, I'm going to backpedal a bit. So we, we rocked up in Barcelona testing as the Red Bull did. And they came up with a pretty extreme side pods and everyone was saying, oh, this, um, I was shocked. I was actually shocked thinking I thought Red Bull were going to be pretty basic coming in because they, um, to this season because they spent all so much time developing in 2021 but after doing some research i found out like like the car it, these cars were announced in 2019 in austin texas mm-hmm. and before then that was before the budget cap so like ferrari mercedes red bull all the top teams could put how much money they wanted into it so yeah I, I think even now going back to Bahrain, I think Red Bull were playing mind games, same as everyone. I don't think Ferrari were. I think Ferrari still haven't shown us their true pace and sense on soft tires and a few low a low fuel fuel runs as a number of teams have mentioned in the paddock. But I do think Red Bull are going to be up there. I don't. If honestly, my top three at the minute from testing is. Merce- is Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, but I don't know which order. I I, I would probably say I would like Red Bull to be up there um, in first, but I'd be happy if they're second at least. But yeah, I'm. You got it was nice to see some uh, like the first few days were for in Bahrain where day one, day two were like getting the mileage in, doing uh, long runs, uh, getting used to the cars for Perez and Verstappen. 
But definitely, I think it was nice to see some performance running um, from Verstappen. Perez did set that 133 time in, in the morning, but it was like, it was a good time for that. It wasn't the op- optimum time, uh, t- like track temps for this, uh, for a car to run for like to see the real performance. But I do think we got to see the re- some the rebel car is fast. Let's let's not forget that if you could see like it was like four tenths faster than the sh- uh, Mick Schumacher and the Haas. But yeah, I am pretty confident. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go out and say this, but the uh, Red Bull world champion, constructor world champions, but I definitely see Mercedes coming back. Uh, they're they're an eight-time world champions, and I think constructor world champions, and I definitely think they're going to, in the next week or so, are going to get get back on the ball. Like so, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to edit this. When I do, I'm gonna add some alarm noises. So cue alarm noises for that hot take. <laughs> Um, I definitely think you have a great point there, though. You can't discount or discredit, rather, Mercedes and their eight Constructors' Championships, um, despite, obviously, your boy Max winning last year for the Drivers' Championship and becoming a world champion. Um, this term sandbagging has been thrown a lot around recently with Mercedes, you know, saying they're not really taking testing too seriously, trying all these different concepts. We have seen visible porpoising of the car um as well dens had obviously a really good take on it so um there's that that's back in the obviously the previous episode um as well my question to you is do you buy into a lot of the porpoising with mercedes um any thoughts on you know how their season may or may not shake down um coming up here with the next race this next I week i think they are suffering with porpoising mm-hmm. like all the teams i think they're the worst uh, out of the last day i could see they were one of the worst teams um, suffering with it I definitely think they 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 have the manpower and the work they have the manpower to actually get like get on top of it. They're an eight-time constructor world champions. You saw last year when they had those struggles in testing. They're they still they won the race in Bahrain. That they they were so they were so, so focused on getting the job done that they focused on themselves. And that's it. That's what Mercedes are so good at. They just focus on themselves, not not like Red Bull, where they kind of like or they make comments about everyone else in the paddock, and not they they not, they don't focus on themselves, Red Bull. But I do think, yes, I, I it's going to be hard. I need to see qualifying next week to see where they are, Mercedes, because they could have the ports, they could have the ports thing solved by next week, but we don't know because that's all speculation right now. But yeah, I I don't I, I still think Mercedes are are one of the contenders for this championship this year. So I am afraid. Uh, well, I guess obviously, as I say often on this podcast, you know, time time will tell, especially with some of the adjustments. I don't know how much I'm going to be curious to your take as well. Obviously, how much you're buying into the results. Obviously, as we have a race coming up here next week, the first of the season. Um, how much are you going to be buying into the results of of race one, regardless of who ends up, you know, winning or even on a podium. Do you think that's a good predictor for how the teams are going to do the rest of the season? Or you think it's going to take a few weeks for stuff to actually, you know, play out and see really how good some of these teams are. I, I think it'll be round four, round five, round four, round five. We'll get a, a, a gist of what the main, the, the main title of uh, contenders are, which teams or drivers there are. But 
if like Kevin Magnussen gets a podium at the Bahrain Grand Prix this year, I'd happy to jump on the Haas hype train. Like so. Oh yes, big time. We are definitely Team Haas. And uh, you know, what were your um, what was your reaction to him? Obviously, you know, after after day two setting the fastest time. I was in the I was in the Twitter space, and we were talking and like um. And it was, we were all just like, just jumped on the half hype train, just, and we were all just figuring out, is it on C3 tires, C4? It came out as the C4 tires. But it was, I, I, I know Kevin is a capable driver. He got, he got a podium in with McLaren back in 2014, I think. And he, he's a capable driver. And I think that Haas is a much improved car from last year. It's well balanced. It's fast. Well, I don't think it's fast as the top teams, but I definitely think it's in the midfield this year anyway. I see. I see. Well, uh, you know, I think as um, Haas, you know, the the sky hopefully is the, is the limit here based on everything that they've been through more recently. Um, and to to go back to what you were chatting about with, um, with, with Red Bull, you know, we see the development with a lot of these cards, you know, Red Bull had, you know, the different side pods that where they're coming out on, on day three, you had Perez running, I think it was 190 plus laps that first day. Um, but, uh, what the point I meant to get at essentially with, with, with Red Bull is, you know, you see the development development of the car, you know, they're consistent. It's nice to see a different team like Haas who struggled for so long, to actually, you know, get a time that actually isn't, is, is fairly decent. Um, with the spaces as well, too, did you have a reaction right away when you saw um, after day three with Mick Schumacher um, going second? Um, Fastest I wasn't overall? In space. I wasn't mm-hmm. in the space, but I, I, was, um, I was reacting to some tweets, like replies, but yeah, I, I, I did joke before I left. I was in a space, but I left shortly. But I did joke before I left that uh, Haas, I won't be surprised if Haas went like a second faster than the Red Bull. So I was mm-hmm. close in a sense. But um, yeah, I I don't think it, it was. I think it's just glory running for Haas. I think they're just trying to get good PR. I, I definitely still think they're going to be midfield or not be back markers this year. Yeah. But, I definitely think it was kind of just like glory running back to the, uh, the days of the Prost team where they used to put little, so little fuel out in the car and just do like a, a lap, like a second or two seconds faster than the rest of the field. But yeah, I think it's a bit of glory running from them. Yeah, I, that's a great point too, because he, even with all the testing, you really don't know what the strategy is behind some of the teams and what they're looking for and the analytics and everything that go into it. So I think as much as, preseason testing is, you know, a good, um, indication of how teams may, may or may not do at the end. It's, it's kind of a glimpse, like you said, especially if you're doing glory laps. Um, mm-hmm. but I will say Kevin Magnuson, um, um, the United States, myself particularly appreciate you. Um, we are hoping Haas will no longer be, you know, the doormat of F1. So any points this year, let's get them. Um, yeah. and, and speaking of Haas as well, um, you know, this, this week as well, drive to survive dropped. Um, a lot of people saying, you know, it wasn't good. Uh, weirdly enough, I didn't really like how Netflix, you know, dropped it when they dropped it. Um, but I do see the presence behind it where it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, attract fans. If you're not watching, if you're not watching testing, at least you're watching drive to survive. So I do see it in that sense. Did you have the chance to watch any of drive to survive? I new watched season? the first 
four episodes of Drive to Survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, what was what was your breakdown as a? Oh, sorry, I was gonna say what was your um, not to interrupt there, but what was your breakdown of the first episode? Obviously, we had a uh, Red Bull focus pretty heavily there, and uh, Christian Horner's kind of got a potty mouth. <laughs> Um, I, I, I joked calling it, it should be called Christian Horner uh, swearing to survive. But um, <laughs> I, um, I definitely think, going back to the first season of Drive to Survive, Red Bull were on the first, only one of the big teams actually, because they're a marketing brand, they want the exposure and they were one of the first big, of the big teams, like Mercedes and Ferrari at the time, to, um, to, con- contrib- to participate in Drive to Survive. And then after the big success drives to survive season one, all the other teams jump who didn't partake part partook. So I yeah, it was a lot of Christian Horner. I think I think he's got more he's definitely got more um appearances than than, uh, than Max Verstappen anyway, because Max Verstappen didn't of course uh, talk to Netflix. They could only get interviews from like Sky F1. And Formula One the, uh, at the time, Zigo TV or any other TV like or NBC or ever mm-hmm. or ESP, ESPN. I do think, yeah, it's the Rebel show. I kind of I, even after the last four, just on the fourth episode, I I definitely think they need to dial down on the Rebel propaganda. Yeah, part of me thinks that Christian Horner really likes being on Drive to Survive. Like he, he knows the camera's a little bit present um, at some points, but the Christian Horner swearing show, like you had mentioned, obviously first episode was, was pretty nail on the head. Um, the other episode I thought was really insightful um, was, you know, the Haas episode we had. Mazepin obviously is out of Formula One. We brought back Kevin Magnuson, which is, you know, a lot of people are, are fans of obviously with the, the history he has with that team. Um, Anything in particular with that Mazepin episode, um, if you did watch, uh, that that's, that stood out to you between that relationship with him, Haas, Mick, his dad, everything? Yeah, I I definitely think Netflix portrayed the Mazepin the uh, Mazepins as the as the villains of F one. Um, you could say that they're already the villains of F one. Um, if you if you know, you know. Um, but I definitely think it was, it was, I liked, I was really looking forward to this episode because I wanted to see what the chemistry in the team was behind the scenes of what happened. It was interesting seeing Gunter Steiner having to do all these, like he said, like it's in 20 years, it's made my dream to be in the Aldi catalog, <laughs> like doing <laughs> home, home du- de- uh, deluxe um, furniture company. Um, um, uh, one Schumacher's uh, German sponsorships, but yeah, um, yeah, I think it was it was interesting to see how the the Mazepins believed that it was actually the it was the car that was wrong, not Mazepin's driving style. The key to Mazepin's driving style that was that his performance was so bad over the season. How he was like Mazepin spinning all the time. I think it was actually I saw a stat there that. Out of all the sessions of the whole season, it was like something like seventy-eight point six percent. He spun in all those sessions. Yeah, you're right. I, we were in a we were in a Twitter Spaces, and someone someone I I will have to do some digging here and give credit where credit is due. But yeah, someone had done that stat and figured out all the sessions. 
um, which to me is, is crazy. But um, the, the hard part, I feel like as a, as a fan watching and Mazepin did do a good job of bringing to light other issues that do go out on the grid when it comes to two different drivers is, you know, how much, how much blame can you actually put on the car? Like in Haas's situation when they truly are the meant to be designed and have, you know, be the same way. Cause a lot of it's, you know, people are moving up these, you know, formula three, formula two, obviously now into formula one, you know, for me as a fan, and I, I would love to hear your take on this. I was almost like, you know, he's good enough to be here in, in some sense, some sense, obviously, you know, but he is a, you know, what people deem a paid driver, but mm-hmm. does he really, does, is his skill that good to truly warrant that I'm not the issue? It's the car. That's the issue. You know, I, I get that if you're been in formula one a little bit longer and have, you know, a little more of the, the tendencies to have been in a car for a few seasons and really feel it out. Do you, do you put yourself, if you're in, you know, Mazza spins shoes, do you actually think he has any, anything he said was justifiable that, you know, it's, I'm not the issue. It's the car. That is hard to say on the spot, but I do think like he came fifth in former, the 2020 former two championship uh, compared to his first season, 2019, he he was considerably beaten by his teammates at the time, and I I do like I might have my my prejudice of um of Maspin. I I don't like him as a person, a driver wise. You could say he he do, he like like he he do, like if he came fifth in Formula Two, he he does show he does have talent. I don't think he was ready for F1. I think Schumacher was much more prepared, like more prepared in a sense, mentally, confidence-wise. He just came off winning the Formula 2 Championship at the 2020 Formula 2 Championship. And yeah, I you you can't just be blamed. If I was in Mazepin's shoes, I would like to not try and blame, I'd put all the blame on myself. I want, mm-hmm. like you, as a, race, a racing driver, you always, you always say, blame the car but you can't just keep blaming the car unless um even so like when they did give Ma- so back when in the french grand prix came out that mazepin wanted a new chassis and we found out in drive drive was actually early as spain that was the, the case but i do think like when he did get that new chassis he didn't the performances like didn't like it, it improved slightly but he didn't blow us out of the park like mick was still getting to Q, sometimes q2 he was like he was out caught out qualifying Mazepin like by nearly like a second at times, but yeah, or like even nine tenths or seven tenths. But yeah, I I still think he's not. He doesn't. He wasn't. I think other drivers were worthy of a seat than him. Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong. Obviously, with any of that, it's uh, the interesting thing to me, and you you did touch on it here. Is you know when it comes to development of the car, but it's also you know. That's where I liked Gunther a lot more in this last, that episode in particular, because I think we don't see as much of the internal struggle within teams. And that's to me, like, whether you think Netflix is dramatized or not, that to me was a real episode with, with real emotion where I think you really had it, had it captured where, you know, he's trying to sit Mazepin down and say, you know, your, your negativity swearing at people, isn't going to make anything better, regardless, you know, level-headed it's the car or it's you, it's whatever. And, uh, I think his demeanor, even if Mazepin wasn't, you know, a pay driver or had been struggling at the end of the grid, I think 
that right there was going to be toxic enough to probably have him have a short career in formula one, whether he did have the talent or not. Um, I don't know how much teams really, you know, with drivers, if they do have bigger egos than others, how much they, you know, are really willing to let that slide at times, unless you, you know, are a champion or have a history of, of really a lot of success. But to me, I, I did find it interesting too, that, and we had touched on it briefly that, you know, Mazepin this last few weeks here or so when it came out with Russia um, and Ukraine and everything like that, you know, there was that brief kind of period eye in the storm where it's like, we're not really sure if him and Danny Creed are going to be able to race in different events um, and, and whatnot. Well, he removes the Russian flag from his Instagram and I'm looking now at his Twitter and he's still got the Russian flag on it. So it's almost like, you know, he still wanted to compete, but he's still, you know, pro Russia in some ways with his parents or his dad in particular. And, and he can't. So I thought that was kind of ironic, but um, we, we did have two. Um, I want to ask, do you think, do you think in any way um, Mazepin will have any sort of career going forward in, in racing? Well, if we mentioned a few tour spaces show with F1 Diplomat on Twitter, he mentioned um, that like he believes that it was a contra contractual agreement that if you the sponsor, if the sponsor, the title sponsor you Crowley or just the sponsor you Crowley was in uh, motorsport, then Maspin had to be driving. So when you Crowley pulled up, had to be removed. Maspin was going to be removed because what's the point of having Maspin there when his sponsor is like the money that's coming in is not going to be there anymore so I don't I think if he goes he should go I think he does have a career in motorsport mm -hmm. I don't think at the minute no because of what's going on in the world um I I I think he should go to maybe like more like sports cars. He might have a better career in that, but I don't think he's he's never coming back to F one because unless unless he comes on his own without any like he has sponsorship but not not contractual that he has to drive for if the title sponsor if the sponsor is there. But yeah, I I do think he has he he will be a career more sport. But I don't mm -hmm. think it'll be any the highest categories more sport. I think he might just if he just he could just do like casual driving if you get me. Yeah, no, I th I think you're right there too. I, I just had to ask the question, but yeah, shout out to F1 diplomat in particular. He did have a tweet yesterday, and I'm bringing it back up right now. Um, he did have a hot take. I actually do I do agree with this, and this kind of circles back to that conversation of how much are we going to buy into the results of next weekend as a predictor for the next season. Um, he, he had mentioned, you know, hot take Mercedes won't be, you know, great in the first race. However, he thinks they'll come back, learn their lesson, come back, scary, good overall, looking forward to a three-way battle between Mercedes Ferrari and Red Bull. Um, I'm hoping the season is just something that no one runs away with at all. Um, but time, time obviously will tell. Um, we, we did have a tweet here from someone, um, a Johnny burner, <laughs> uh, that was saying, you know, uh, do you think Perez will stay at Red Bull next year? Um, any thoughts on that or situation? Maybe let's, let's keep it open here and think in what situation do you think Perez would stay and which one wouldn't he? Um, I think Perez will stay. Um, he won't. I don't. I don't see Gasly coming back to Red Bull anytime soon. 
Mm-hmm. I I think Perez is the better, more consistent um, option for Red Bull. It depends how he does this season, but even that, I definitely think Perez will be there next year. I don't see Red Bull getting rid of him. I think the relationship with Perez is very good in the team. And they rate him as a dri- I rate him as a driver, and the team rates him as a driver. I don't see any, unless they bring a, a youngster in, like one under academy like Yuri Vips, uh, Liam Lawson, mm-hmm. Jahan Deluvera. Sorry if I butchered that name. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think Perez will be there next year. So I don't see him going. I see. Yeah, I uh, I th- I think there's a lot of pressure. I think in that fight, obviously Max is uh, going to be the going to be the contender. But you know, Checo never really has had the opportunity um, to be in a t- championship driving or winning team. So obviously, you know, I, I wish him well, particularly because he's the only F1 driver in history to be in last place after the f- after his first lap and end up winning a race. Uh, flashback to uh, race his racing point days there. Um, and uh, I'm going to, you know, circle back again here too. Uh, was there any, is there any other team outside of, you know, you had said Red Bull, Daniel Ricardo. Is there any other thing, Formula One this year, obviously Kevin Magnuson too, you'd mentioned. Um, any bold predictions, hot takes, or anyone you think fans of F1 should be on the lookout for um, in terms of this season and drivers that you think are really going to be pushing it to the limit and, and may have some success that we weren't thinking about beforehand? Now, this is going to be very spicy. Latifi, All right, I'm ready. Latifi will get a podium this year. Whoa. All right. Um, and, and let's, I got to ask now, because last I knew his brakes were on fire mid-interview with uh, Alex Albon. So he's got a lot of ground to cover in that sense. Um, what's your rationale behind that? And are you going to be making uh, a bet on this with anyone else at all? Maybe even Las Vegas, as we see, say here in the States. No, I will not be making a bet. I, 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 I'm not that confident. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do think, I don't care how he, how he gets it, if it means um, if the half the grid is taken out by a certain driver, Bottas, uh, but um, I do think if he if half the grid, like I said, is taken out, I don't care. It's a podium. I don't care. All right. Well, uh, I guess we will see. I would also like to see. Um, I think Lando Norris. I'm I'm hoping he gets a podium this year. Just a shameless plug for uh, for him. Um, watching, go, you know, going back again with the the episode there in Sochi. He was so mm-hmm. close in a. Gosh, that's just the decision, obviously, not to switch to the intermediates um, yeah. or, or even the slick tires. You know, he uh, it obviously cost him the race, but he's got to feel gutted. But, you know, you get someone like Ricardo who goes in there and gets a race, but didn't have as much overall success as Norris. I know Norris is the next man up. I'm really hoping to, to, to see you get a, a big W here this next season. But um, we will see. Uh, mm-hmm. Take us through too, just because I'm always curious with other people here. You know, next week we got the first race of the season. You know, we'll be hosting a space with the DRS zone as well, concluding that race, um, which I, I'm hoping and optimistic you'll be there with me to uh, mm-hmm. uh, listen and participate and, and co-host as well w- with us. Um, take me through what is your, do you have any interesting race day um you know, you're a Red Bull fan. Do you have any interesting like race day routines that you do or take us through, you know, what, where are you going to be watching from 
you know, everything like that? Um, so I usually, so as a Rebel fan, I, I look, especially from the title season, what we had, the season we had last year, I, I, I kind of, the night before I kind of struggled to sleep, I was always like thinking, is Max going to win? Is he going to lose? Or how the a kid on Christmas Eve almost. <laughs> yeah. How, how Perez is going to do. And then how as well Daniel Carroll is going to do as well, but for McLaren. But besides that, I would get up. Um, I would pretty normal day routine in a sense. I, I would go look at social media, F1 Twitter, and just look at watch the pre-race shows. Then go on Sky Sports and watch their build up. And then I'm there. I'm, I'm from that point. I'm there to the end of the race. I don't really, I'd be watching here in my living room in my house in Ireland, but I will, I I don't really, I usually don't really watch the after show of what Sky do or what F1 do. I might jump in and out, but I usually just go on Twitter and mm-hmm. like hop into a Twitter space or something like that and listen or participate and then or see what, what everyone else is saying on Twitter. And then I usually wait for Ted's, note, Ted's notebook and Sky Sports to great show to come out um, and I just love seeing what they ha- what any any like drama that's happening out from the race. All right, well, I'll definitely just check it out. Yeah, I, I just in, in Formula One stuff. I just got the uh, F one TV here subscription for the year, which was which mm-hmm. was nice with a little bit of a discount there. Not that I'm plugging it at all, but it's cool. <laughs> but I had no idea that 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 was a thing. So I'm definitely going to check that out after the races. Um, mm-hmm. For any of our listeners out there too, you know, we're all about obviously, you know, connecting. So let us know your thoughts from this episode here with uh, Rory. You can, you can tweet at us or use the hashtag, the DRS zone. Um, try to obviously chat, bring up anything Formula One related, motorsport, any random history. Um, Rory, so thank you so much for obviously coming on here. Really do appreciate, you know, going back through your history in the motorsport. Um mm-hmm that documentary as well that you had mentioned that we will include the link in the bio. Um, any last words, hot takes, where can people find you on social media? Give it all to us. <laughs> um, I do have, a, in, I have a Twitter account and Instagram account. My Instagram is for personal use. So I, I won't plug that, but I, um, I, I'm on Twitter at Ardon zero uh, on Twitter and that's where I usually just make uh, F1 memes, uh, 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 tweet hot topics. Um, I do host tour spaces, which will, um, which is pretty fun to do. I only started recently doing that. Um, I I plan to. I won't be hosting any tour spaces during the week, but I I might. It depends. It probably will be Thursday night, if it's the case uh, for me. So I usually do it around. Half a twenty eight thirty GMT in the evening for me, and then I don't it usually goes on for about four hours, but I only plan <laughs> to do it for an hour. Yeah, but yeah. Um, speaking of which, I I am I am cannot believe I forgot this. I should have asked because I'm looking back through your profile right now before we head out here. You had a tweet with WTF one, kind of went mm-hmm. viral. That's the you know. It's from one of the Cars movies as well. Um, take us through. It was the Brazilian GP. You know, you have, mm-hmm. a, and I'll obviously tweet it as well. Um, and I was told that you had won something through WTF1. Take us through what you won. So, um, 
first of all, shout out to WTF1. Um, I they do run a kind of a tweet, um, a kind of a, a funniest tweet award for the race, uh, summing up your reaction. And I I always partake in it. I it's called Internet's Best Reaction. They have a YouTube, it's on their YouTube channel, a, seg, a segment on their YouTube channel. And I I've been in it twice previously for the Spanish GP last year and the Dutch GP. And for the third time lucky, you would say I won it. Um, and I won a, you win a, um, so at the start of the year, it depends, so you win a Fantex steering wheel and a proper like F1 steering wheel for gaming and uh, for using on, on a, like your simulator. And so at the start of the year and the end of the year, they usually give away the one, the proper like uh, expensive uh, steering wheel. And I, the one I won is, the club uh, Fantech Club Sports V uh, 2.5 Xbox Edition. So yeah, I'm currently looking at it right now, and I don't have a sim myself, so it's just a display piece at the minute. Hey, very. Hey, that's very cool. Regardless, I I had a share that I was like at a loss for words. So I'm like, I know it's a I know it's a steering wheel. I didn't know exactly what it was, but the the tweet obviously was was hilarious, and it's uh you know good engagement obviously regardless, and uh, I I'm. Curious to see if we're going to be able to recreate that with any uh, hunting that may be going down this this year on the grid and any races in particular. So um, thank you so much for, for coming on today, um, this afternoon, rather, I should say, where uh, you are in the world, but mm -hmm. truly appreciate it. Um, you can follow Rory here at uh, Done Zero, as he had mentioned as well. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Looking forward to chatting with you again in the future, mm -hmm. Rory, hopping on some spaces yeah. and uh, going from there. Yeah, thanks for having me on uh, for the first time. And I, I hope to be on this podcast again sometime in the future. But yeah, and I and some see you in Twitter spaces as well. So thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, everyone have a good rest of the week here. We'll be back again next week to break down the first race. Um, use your Sky Sports app, set the red button, do whatever you got to do, but definitely check it out. There's going to be so much good reaction. I am so excited.